The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke from the 23rd chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The Gospel reading this morning is from St. Luke, chapter 23, verses 27 through 43, and can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1641. Luke 23, verses 27 through 43. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. And then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. And when they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him and they said, he saved others, let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. And the soldiers also came up and mocked him and they offered him wine vinegar and they said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. He says, don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, Today, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated.
Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Today's a little bit of a sad day for me, um, personally, as some of you know, that uh, calamity, sadness has visited our house uh, uh, in ways not, you know, Tracy's fine and the boys are fine, but we have friends and relatives that are going through some really tough times. And this morning, Trace is with her best childhood friend, uh, a young lady named Lana that is um, saying goodbye to her little brother who passed away two weeks ago, much too soon, and other things. And we're privy to our brother and sister churches around here of just extreme loss and sadness. And, and uh, so I beg your forgiveness if, if I seem a little bit off, because I am today, I'm, I am, I'm grieving. But I'm also filled with hope, and I want to share that with you this morning. This morning, I want to share a, uh, a cute little story that I came across that is apropos to describe who Jesus is. And this is the last Sunday of the liturgical calendar of the church year. And we look back at, at our lessons. And, and you've heard me say that every jot and tittle in the Bible points to Christ. You heard that, right? Amen? Well, it does. And today we're going to remember the promises and we're going to remember the, the words that he spoke and, and, and what he has done on our behalf. And I'm going to need you to participate. So you're going to have, um, you're going to, have to speak out, a speaking part in this, all of you together. And you get to say, you probably can't read it from here, but it says, that's backward. Okay, so when I need you to say, I'm going to point to you and go, All right, boy, you, nobody should be that good. Wow. Okay, so today I'm going to tell you a story about a backward king, and I need your help. When I stop and point at you, you will say, You are ready. A long time ago lived a king. He was no ordinary king. He was a backward king. He was different from other kings because he did everything backward from the way other kings did. From the very day he was born, you could tell that this king was going to be different. Now, most kings are usually born in a palace, but this king was born in a stable surrounded by donkeys and sheeps. Sheeps. <laughs> no, that was really poor delivery. By sheep and cows. <laughs> And it wasn't a very big beginning for a king. In fact, very few people even knew that a king had been born. 
Only a handful of shepherds and three wise men got the word that a king had been born. Yes, it is. As the infant king grew into a man, he continued to be different from other kings. While most kings spent all of their time building up riches of silver and gold and jewels, this king owned nothing, nothing at all. And while most kings surrounded themselves with servants, he chose to be a servant. He could often be found helping others. Yes, it is. And as time went on, people became very unhappy with their king because he just didn't act the way they thought a king should act. Instead of riding into town on a big white horse, the way other kings usually did, their king rode into town on the back of a donkey. He was... Well, actually, can we ask, was that any way for a king to act? Yes, yes, it is. And the people he chose to be his friends, his closest friends were a bunch of smelly fishermen. And he could often be seen visiting with the poor and eating with sinners. Yes, Finally, the people decided that they had put up with this king long enough. If he couldn't act the way a king should act, then they didn't want him to be their king anymore. They made a plan to have him arrested and thrown into prison. Their plan worked. When the day came for his trial, the king stood before the people and instead of shouting, Hail to the king, long live the king, they shouted, Crucify him. He is not our king. Crucify him. So they crucified the king. And they nailed him to a cross. And they put a crown made of thorns on his head. And they poked him with sharp sticks, and they made fun of him. What a way for a king to die. After he was crucified, they took his body, and they put it in a borrowed tomb. But that's not the end of the story. Remember, this backward king was different. This king rose from the grave to live forever. Now, instead of being a backward king, he is a forever king. He is the king to anyone, to anyone who chooses him to be their king. Oh, there are still some people who call him king backward, but those who know him don't call him that. They call him King Jesus. And Jesus wants to be King, Lord of your life. He wants to have you live with him 
forever and ever. Amen. It's a silly story. Not necessarily theologically grounded in Scripture, but it gets the point across, doesn't it? It's backwards. It's foolishness to a world that just can't get over the simplicity of the gospel. Christ and him crucified for you. As I mentioned, this is the end of the liturgical year. And by definition, the liturgical year, the church year means this. The liturgical year, also known as the church year or Christian year, as well as the calendar with a K, consists of the cycle of liturgical seasons in Christian churches that determines when feast days, including celebrations of saints, are to be observed and which portions of Scripture are to be read either in an annual cycle or in a cycle of several years. And we at Reformation Evangelical Lutheran Church follow the three-year lectionary cycle if you're keeping track. And we've just finished the church year C, and we are entering the church year A. Well, thanks, Pastor, for that little factoid. I'll make sure that I keep that handy to tell somebody, why would you do that? And I said, well, I'll tell you, I got to ask that question. And so we are preparing for our new year that starts in December, and that's the advent, the expectancy of the coming of the new king, the one that the world calls backwards, the one that we call Lord, the one that makes all the difference in the world. In fact, we should today reflect on the promises that he has given us, on the promises that he made good on in your life and my life, and he continues to do each and every day for those who have been given the power to be called children of the living God. Not the backward king, but the king of heaven and earth, the king who desires nothing more Listen to this. He desires nothing more from you or from me than to be our God, our Father, Abba, Dad. It's just that simple. And we know that through his son and the work that his son did on that cross, that the righteous demand of justice was met. It was paid in full with his son's body for you and for me. That's fact. And yet, Satan comes and visits to steal our joy, to attempt to steal our joy, because he's keeping score of our sins. In fact, to some degree, we do that too. And he keeps reminding us of our shortcomings. And for that matter, even Scripture reminds us of our shortcomings. When it says to us, all have sinned and all have fallen short. That's in order so that the comfortable sinner is brought to despair. If you're a comfortable sinner, that message is for you. Don't get comfortable. 
We hear Scripture, the words that admonish us to forgive others as God has forgiven us. i got to tell you, the Lord's Prayer, throughout my life, I really struggled with that part, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Did anyone else notice that that's probably not a great trade? Because I don't forgive very well. And I know some of you have struggled with that. Oh, I got some good news for you on that one. You know, you, I've said it. You've heard it. Maybe you've even said, I can forgive, but I cannot forget. Right? Have you ever said that? Don't do it again. Don't do that ever again. Because that's the same, especially when you do it to the person that's offended you. That's the same as saying, no, I don't forgive you. It really is. So now what? Do I try harder to forgive? Forgive? Boy, first I can't say sheep. And now I can't say forgive. You know what I mean, right? Do I try harder to forgive and somehow conquer that? Is it in me to forgive? Is it in you to forgive? Is it? I mean, I might do the very best that I can until that person comes in front of me or I think of that person or that person's mentioned or what have you, and boy, I am off to the races. Not always, but more than I wish happened. How do I overcome this? Well, I can't. Just like... In that message, in that story there, it says, you chose Christ. I kind of had a hard time saying that, but that's the way that it was written. I didn't choose Christ. You didn't choose Christ. He chose you. You heard the gospel. The Holy Spirit came upon you in your baptism. He became so wonderful that you could not avoid him. You could not stand to be without him. You were attracted to him. He did that to you. Just like your forgiveness, that you're having a hard time you can't on your own. You need that Holy Spirit that is in you to accomplish it. And yes, you're going to have to come back again and again, just like me, to ask forgiveness. And he'll give it. And we start over again. We will not fully be able to forgive until we are absent of this flesh, until we are in the presence of the Lord. And at that point in time, we won't even think about those offenses. But until that time, yes, it is a struggle. And it's a struggle, a thorn maybe, even in our flesh, to know that I am not all that just because I have a bumper sticker on my car that says, this way to Jesus, right? It's a daily walk, a daily struggle. And we are in that struggle with Christ in us and with us. Even Paul, even Paul said, who will save me from this wretched body of death? And his answer was, thanks be to Jesus Christ. He's the one that rescues us. He's the one that rescued us. And he's the one that delivers us. I heard a story of a man who was worried. Imagine that. (laughs) 
A man that worries, huh? I heard a story of about a man who was worried about his family. He was worried about his friends and whether they were really saved. Or perhaps whether he was really saved. And as I was listening to the man, I mean, excuse me, as another man was listening to that man, I asked him this question. If Jesus was here in Westminster, California today, what would you do? And the answer was, I'd go find him right away. And then the question was asked, really, what would you say to him? And he replied, I'd ask him to forgive me. And the answer is this. Jesus is in Westminster, California today. Jesus is right here today. Jesus is listening to you today. He has heard you confess him today. He has forgiven your sins, all of them, today. He knows you. He knows me better than family, spouse, friends, neighbors. And he still loves you. And he still calls you and calls to you. You're his. That's what he is saying to you today. Through the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts, that it may be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. He is saying to you right now, and throughout this service, I am yours. And you, my beloved, are mine. In the name of Jesus, amen.